huge fucking nerd. That's right, I'm a huge fucking nerd. I like lots of books and computers, cause I am a huge fucking nerd. One of a kind shades made to order by Vaporshades.com. Vaporshades designs the outer layer of the sunglasses just like a wrap on a car. They customize your sunglasses, marbling the paint. The end result is no two pair of sunglasses are alike. Yours will be completely unique to you. Check us out at Vaporshades.com. Use promo code TUTTLE for 15% off your entire order. Get ready for your daily dose of TUTTLE. Uh, the all-time greatest uh, intern slash producer we've ever had, of course, TUTTLE. TUTTLE in Florida. From the Vapor Shades Hobo Fish Camp, it's the TUTTLE Daily Podcast. No wonder nobody likes you, TUTTLE. Everything's a goddamn debate. Welcome to another edition of the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Hope you guys are enjoying your day so far. Just got back from Tampa, and I'm going to get into that story here in just a few. But on my way home today from Tampa, I, I like to make a lot of phone calls. I know that they don't want you to, but I'm, I'm hands-free. It makes the trip go by that much quicker. But I, I talked to my buddy, Jason, and Jason, you know him. Even though you don't know that you know him, Jason, big Bubba Army listener, fan of mine, even when I was still on the BRN, not not just a fan, he's a friend. I, I'm going to try to meet up with him next week, but Jason is the webmaster creator of Tuttle.net. Check it out. That is my website, Tuttle.net, Tuttle with two Ds, T-U-D-D-L-E.net. Now, he was showing me some really, really cool things that he has in store. Uh, he's constantly, constantly refreshing, updating, and trying to make Tuttle.net the best website for, you know, some jobber-ass dude that's not working in radio anymore, unemployed, uh, broadcasting and recording a podcast at a place he calls a hobo fish camp from a 2006 beat-up PT cruiser. But my buddy Jason, it was good talking to him. So make sure you check out Tuttle.net. So like I had mentioned earlier, I had to get up and go to Tampa. I was driving home from Tampa because I had to go over there for my three-month doctor's appointment. Well, this is actually a new guy that I had to see. And a lot of people are like, well, if you're on the East Coast, why are you going all the way to the West Coast for a doctor's appointment? Well... Dr. Cheramani, Dr. Cheramani, he treated and saw pretty much everybody at the BRN. The guy gave me a really great deal. He worked with me on the prices. Now, he would write me my scripts for three months, and he, he knows that I don't have insurance, so he worked with me. Now, I wasn't having to see him every month to get my meds. So that three months, yeah, I was paying probably $80, $90, but it was good for three months. I wasn't having to go pay $90, $90, Well, come to find out, when I called to find out when my last doctor's appointment was, Dr. Cheramani, he's retired. He is gone. And I got to tell you, the man is one of the best doctors that I've ever seen in my life because he's real. He is real. He's not one of those stuck up you know, hoity-toity type doctors like, oh, I got my uh, doctorate. I, I had to go to eight years of school. I am so much better than you. No, you want to know what? Soon as he walks in the door, how you been, you son of a bitch? This, he would MF this, uh, you know, just every single curse word that you could ever think of. And the guy was cool as hell. But come to find out, Dr. Cheramani retired, and I had to go see this new guy. This new guy is right down the street from him, and I don't think I'm going to keep going to him because Dr. Cheramani would write me three months' worth of prescriptions. This guy will not do it, especially with the drug, my Adderall. The Adderall is the only medication that I'm on right now, and he would not write me for three months. Now, do I have to see him every single month? No, I don't have to see him every single month. Hell, actually, he's wanting to see me every four months. So, but he, he won't write me more than a month. So he says, when you run out this month, just call us. We'll refill it. But that's the thing about it is that it's a controlled substance. And you got to be within a certain amount of mileage from where you go see the doctor to be able to make it work. So that means I'm going to have to drive over to Tampa every single time that I need my refills. 
So if any of you guys know anybody here in the Belusia County area, hell, e- even if it's Orlando, hit me up, email me, Tuttle at gmail.com. That's Tuttle with two Ds, T-U-D-D-L-E at gmail.com. Or if you'd like to leave me a voicemail, you can easily do that, 407-270-3044. Going to get to some voicemails next segment. But I see this new doctor, and I guess when you see a new patient for the first time, they, they want to give you a full workout. Now, when you're younger and you go see the doctor, you, you don't tell the doc about every little pain you have. Or, or what doesn't feel good. But when you get to your mid-30s to late four, or to early 40s, yeah, you start telling them every single thing. And then seeing what my parents have been going through with all the studies and DNA and stuff that's hereditary, I'm like, yeah, I need to start staying on top of this. Uh, I told you guys I was complaining because I thought I had a hernia. He ended up checking that out. And good news, the guy said, I have not broken the abdomen wall where the muscle is. It's just a bulge right now. He said, if I take it easy a little bit, he taught me some ways that I can help help myself out in that area because the hernia, the bulge, because it's not a tear, it's a bulge. And he said, if I started wearing some heavy-duty compression shorts, don't go heavy on, on the weight but you could still do physical activity. So I'm going to keep doing that. But he said, don't overdo it because if it gets bad, then they're going to have to do surgery. And he said the surgery is not as bad as it used to be, but I still do not want to go through that. Now he listened to my heart. Heart sounds great. Blood pressure, amazing. Pulse rate, amazing. He felt around, felt my liver. And guess what? For the alcoholic that I was, that there was no hardness in my liver at all, that it felt good. I got to get some lab work done because he's wanting to do some blood work. But on the, on the up and up, for the most part, I'm doing really, really well. But the reason I'm talking about this physical is he asked me if I had ever had the prostate exam done. You know, because I guess when you get over 40, they want to start giving you, you know, the, the jelly finger to check out your prostate. And the guy was trying to hard sell it. The guy was like, oh, it's not, it's not a lot of fun. And I'm like, should I tell him? Because Dr. Chiramani knew exactly what I did. He, he listened to the show. But I just wanted to tell the guy, listen, Doc, uh, a jelly finger up my rectum is going to be a cakewalk. Because a lot of you guys, I, maybe, and you know what? I, I should tell this story. I should not assume that a lot of you guys know some of the stuff that I did at the BRN when I was on uh, the Bubba the Love Sponge show. And when I first started working with Bubba, we were on Sirius. So we, we really pushed the envelope. But I wanted to tell this guy, I wanted to be like, listen, Doc, love you. I know we just met, but I had to do a radio bit called the Anal Expansion Challenge. And I just didn't think it was a time or place I didn't want this guy to drop me after one doctor's appointment. But if you haven't heard this story, this, this is when I was on Bubba's show, right in the beginning. And I'm trying to make a name for myself. I, I made a name for myself doing stunts. Now, a lot of stunts we did at Real Radio, yeah, there, there were some pretty dangerous things we did on Real Radio 104.1 when it comes to the stunts. But man... Bubba took it to a whole new level. He, he really did. Like, I had never been nude on video or, or uh, photos. But damn, man, that first couple of years, man, I, I have enough, uh, enough content of my nudity on Bubba Raw or, or various places. Hell yeah, dude, I could start an OnlyFans page. And luckily, I'm not homophobic at all. Not, I know that I'm straight. I know that I like women, so why, why, why does it do you any good to be homophobic, man? It, listen, I, I like my space. Yeah, if I was at a party or something and a dude grabbed my crotch or something, yeah, I might have a problem with that, but I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm, I'm going to beat your ass. No, hell no. I'd be, I'd be like, oh, hey, please don't do that. And when people get complimented by gay men or, or the same sex, why do people get, like, offended by that? Why do those homophobic dudes like, oh, screw you? I don't. It's a compliment, man. 
It, it, it really is a big compliment. But I know how the stunt game works. I knew that I had to make a name for myself uh, in the first couple of months at the BRN. And when I was asked to do, there, there were two very, very big stunts that I did. And I, if I was homophobic, these would be a deal breaker. But the first one here, I'll give you an example. Before I get to the major one, we did the circle jerk challenge. And it's exactly what, what it sounds like. It was me and three other dudes, a part that worked at the BRN. They were all employees. Our ankles were handcuffed to each other. So it was uh, four guys. So I got one to me. Uh, here's me. To the right, another dude. To his right, another dude. To his right, another dude. And we're in a circle, completely nude. Nothing at all. And we had to masturbate to completion. And the first person to do that won $500. Now, I, I really didn't have a problem with it. I, I could not get to completions. For one being, there was three other dudes looking at me. And the other thing at the time I did not know is all the psychotropic drugs, the Zoloft, the Risperidol, all the mind-altering drugs that I was on was making it hard for me to do anything like that. I, I couldn't, I had a hard time getting aroused. So, yeah, that, that one was pretty bad. D-Ball, uh, uh, an African-American gentleman, uh, got, he ended up winning, by the way. And I got some of his semen on my knee. Now, did I ever think, hey, in high school, when I grow up, I want to be on the radio to have an African-American dude jizz on my knee. No, I, do you think I wanted that? But no, what? I still got paid for it. I got paid for it. Plus, I got a $75 bonus for, for taking a load on my knee. So, yeah, that, that kind of sucked. It, it really did. But before I get into the crude d'etat of the gay stunts, the gayest stunts I've ever done while I was at the BRN, uh, the first time I was ever nude on video or or a picture was the day that they did shock the cock. And I, I'm not trying to be shocking by cursing. I, I've been trying to cut back on it a lot. But, uh, yeah, I had the head of my penis shocked with a police issue stun gun. Now, what, I'm, what I mean by stun gun, not those cheap-ass wussy ones that you can get at, at, at a detective store or a self-defense store. I'm talking about the ones that the cops carry where they can either they can either tase you with it by hand or they can shoot the uh, flying fish hooks at you. Done that before. Does not feel good one bit. But yeah, I almost million-dollar babied myself. And if you don't know that reference, Hillary Swank in the movie Million Dollar Baby uh, spoiler alert, people, but the movie's way, way old. She paralyzed herself by falling and hitting her head on a stool. Uh, when they tased the head of my penis, I passed out and I almost landed on a stool nearby and I could have been paralyzed. I could have been paralyzed from getting the head of my dick shocked by a police-issued taser. But this next stunt, this next stunt was kind of like, you know, you have those moments in your life and you're like, oh, man, I never, ever thought that I would ever in a million years be in this situation. But I was. I was. And when you've done radio as long as I have and you're desperate and you're a whore and you'll do whatever you have to do to make it in radio, they I, I'm not even sure how this bit came about. I think maybe it was a sex shop or a sex toy, like, website that was sponsoring the BRN. But I don't even know whose idea. You know what? I know whose idea. I think it was Hamill's. God rest his soul. Rest in peace, Hamill. But Hamill, I guess, came up with the idea, let's make some of the dudes on the BRN put an inflatable butt plug in their rectum and see who can get the most pump. Now, it was, it was like $900, man. You also got to remember, this is right after I got let go from Real Radio. I got a mortgage that I'm trying to take care of. And yeah, I'm trying to do whatever I've got to do to make ends meet. And when you say, hey, we're going to give you $900. And uh, all you got to do is put this butt plug in your BH. Now, 
I thought I would at least be able to get one or two pumps. And this was an inflatable butt plug. That's why they called it the anal expansion challenge. We really haven't talked that much about this on the terrestrial show because that's that's how bad it was. There, there's no way that you can ever, ever, no matter how clean you're trying to be, be able to talk about that on terrestrial radio. So it was me, Augie, and Debal. Debal, yes, the same African-American gentleman that uh, jizzed on my knee. So I ended up getting it in. Now, if you've never seen a butt plug, uh, they're, very, they're very narrow at the beginning, at the tip. But it gets a lot bigger. That's why they call it a plug. If you guys are fishermen, and you know that plug that you stick in the hole uh, <laughs> so your boat doesn't sink when you're out fishing? Yeah, that, that's exactly what it is. So I ended up getting it in there, one of the hardest things I've ever done. And I, I backed out. I freaked out. I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm good. I mean, I still got paid for the stunt, made a couple hundred dollars, but I, I didn't get the big payday. I think uh, D-Ball, no, Augie. Augie took, I think, four pumps. Four pumps. I mean, think about this, guys. You, you remember the Reebok pumps back in the day where you'd be like, pump it up, and they, they all made you believe, oh, I'll be able to donk the more I pump this up. Uh, yeah, that's, that's what it is. It's like Reebok pumps for your butthole. And I, I, I just, I think I made the right choice by not bringing that up to the doctor because he was making a big deal about getting an index finger that's actually lubed in my BH to check my prostate. And I'm like, dude, that is a cakewalk. I scoff at your finger because I was a part of a radio bit called the Anal Expansion Challenge. Be back in a few minutes. You are listening to the Tuttle Daily Podcast. He's a nerd. I've only been arrested one time. A radio personality. Professionally, I'm not in the best position that I've ever been in. And hot talk satirizer. You would think with everything that's going on, a Caucasian like myself wouldn't be able to randomly talk to an African-American or a minority. You're listening to the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Have you considered owning your own restaurant franchise? Good Life Organics currently offers territories across the United States. Check out GLO Franchising. That's GLO Franchising on Facebook to sign up for an overview session today. Good Life Organics Franchising, a new partner of the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Tell them Tuttle sent you. Send them a message on Facebook at facebook.com slash GLO Franchising. Welcome back to the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Coming up next segment, I got a great interview, an interview that I've been looking forward to. I've been trying to get this guy on the show for quite some time. Uh, He was my program director while I worked at 1025 The Bone in Tampa for Cox Media Group. That is the one and only Michael Sharkey will be on the show. Uh, he is now a uh, podcast correspondent, or what, what, what would you call that? A podcast guru. I'm going to say he's a podcast shaman, because everybody knows Michael Sharkey as that Zen, Zen guy, Zen Sharkey. And I got to tell you, I, I want to talk to him, because out of all the program directors that have ever fired me, Michael Sharkey, Shark, was the most sincere most polite and kindness firing that I've ever gotten during my 22 years of radio broadcasting. So once again, coming up later, my interview with the one and only Michael Sharkey, former program director of 97X in 1025 The Bone. Now, earlier I told you, you can give me a call, 407-270-3044. That is my voicemail number. And I got a few voicemails that I want to play for you. Hey, Donald, it's Tampa Terry, number one caller to the Bubba Show of 2020. All right, I'm just going to be honest. Most likely, a lot of you guys don't even know who the F t- uh, Tampa Terry is. Now, Tampa Terry, I know exactly who Tampa Terry is. And you want to know what? It makes me feel good that Tampa Terry is leaving me a voicemail because this is the type of guy 
this is the type of person you want supporting the content that you're putting out on a daily basis because Tampa Terry is a mega fan. And when I mean mega fan, there's a difference between mega fans of TV shows or mega fans of TV, like news shows. But when it comes to radio, when you're a mega fan of a radio show, you are all in. You are going hard in the paint and you want all the smoke from anybody that wants to defy or or talk smack about your favorite radio show. So, yes, yes, thank you. Tampa Terry, I really appreciate this voicemail. From Canada, the number one nation in the world, I just wanted to call to wish you a Merry Christmas, brother. Happy holidays and a Merry New Year, too, brother. May peace be with you, brother. All right, listen, that is the phone call that I would expect from Tampa Terry. It just makes me feel good that a guy that is big into talk radio, big into podcasting, would take the time to be able to call and leave me a voicemail. So thank you very much, Tampa Terry. Uh, Let's see who we uh, got next on the voicemail line. Hey, Tunnel Brother, it's Tampa Terry again. Just wanted to... Remember that old saying your parents uh, used to tell you, be careful for what you wish for? Yeah, this could become a problem. Yeah, I love... Tampa Terry checking out my content, but man, uh, Tampa Terry, if he has free reign and, and just open like doors or borders when it comes to my voicemail, uh, you could be expected maybe five to 10 of these messages a day. I'm just warning you people. I'm just warning you. Once again, make sure you got my Merry Christmas message, brother, and a happy new year too. And you know, up here in Canada, we got another holiday called Boxing Day, brother, on December 26th. I'm going to wish you a happy Canadian Boxing Day, too, dude. Merry Christmas and happy holidays, brother. From the Vapor Shades Hobo Fish Camp. Man, maybe I would have way more sex partners in my life if I just threw caution to the wind. It's the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Tuttle's Daily Podcast is brought to you by StitchYouUp.com. For your embroidery screen printing, vinyl, and direct-to-garment printing needs, visit stitchyouup.com. Stitch You Up specializes in custom caps, shirts, decals, and anything you want to personalize. Whether it's one item or large orders, they can handle any size. Unsure about what you want? Let Stitch You Up help you with your logo design. Visit stitchyouup.com or contact them, eric at stitchyouup.com. Stitch You Up. Definitely not your grandma's embroidery. All right. Welcome back to the Tuttle Daily Podcast, guys. Um, I don't get excited for a lot of interviews that I have, but this one I'm I'm really extremely excited for because um, in broadcasting, in, in your career, there, there are those handful of people that you meet that make a difference in your life, that make a difference in, in what you want to do for a living. And, and my passion is radio and podcasting and my next guest on with me right now and i don't even know what to call him uh but michael shark there you go should i call you shark because we all called you shark when you were the pd you know i think you can um i I will answer to almost anything um Mm -hmm. but i will tell you that over the course of the last like five to seven years less and less people call me shark and more and more people call me Michael. Ah. Um, but I always respect how our relationship began. So mm-hmm. because, you know, because it's Shark and Tuttle, mm-hmm. then feel free to call me whatever you most are comfortable with. Now, now Michael, I, I want to talk about this. So first, before we, we get into all my questions and stuff, sure. what is it that you're up to right now? I, I've noticed that you're you're kind of being... Would you say, I I don't want to offend you, would you say you're almost like a podcasting consultant right now? Well, my business is called Your Podcast Coach. And Mm -hmm. and I I always try to think of like, you know, the negative connotations that sometimes exist around the word consultant. Mm -hmm. Um, And I find that most of the work that I do with people is coaching them. Um, You know, for like, you know, and if you go back to the work that you and I did inside a Mm -hmm. radio station or the work that I did with most everyone inside a radio station, that was very much of a coaching relationship, encouragement, guidance, things like that. So I really just kind of took 
all of that um, knowledge set of years and years and years in broadcast radio and thought, well, why don't I apply that to, you know, real people and real stories. And, um, and, you know, when I started in 2015, I would say, Hey, I'm a podcast coach or a podcast consultant, however. And, um, and people would always go, what's a podcast, man. That is crazy. That is so crazy that, that, you know, it's weird how new technology and new platforms like develop, Mm -hmm. you know, because some of them catch a little bit more fire, but podcasts have been around for a while. Um, now what is some of the big differences? Okay. Because, you know, a lot of people that don't know what you've done, um, with your work at 97X, I mean, I, everybody was talking about the programming you did there. You, you took a lot of risk. You, you took a lot of risk on, on playing new music and stuff, taking risk when it can, when it came to talent. Um, what have you been able to take from radio, terrestrial radio to the podcasting platform and does everything carry over or is it? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. I I think the biggest answer to that question is um, recognizing first and foremost, that they're very different mediums. Um, You know, they're very different mediums, but in many ways, the core essence of the experience is the same. So, you know, very much in radio, everything is timely. Everything is okay. We got to talk about this bit today because tomorrow it's not good, blah, blah, blah. Whereas podcast, you really want to create something that somebody could discover you today. They could discover you two years from now and it can carry a lot of that same weight. I think a lot of the lessons that are the same are what are you doing? What are you saying to gather somebody's attention? Um, how can you craft and make your 20 minute podcast, 30 minute podcast really sort of compelling from the beginning to the middle to the end. And, you know, instead of working with talk show hosts and radio personalities, now I get to help people craft whatever their story is. And most of the people I work with are business owners and entrepreneurs, but invariably an entrepreneur is just somebody who is following through on the passion that they have with whatever they chose to do and helping them sort of craft that in that audio experience. So to kind of answer your question, you know, they are different, but at the same time, a lot of truths and a lot of insights and a lot of wisdoms do stay the same. Okay. Now, have you found out you've been doing this since 2015 with, with this pandemic going on? Um, do you feel like a lot more people have tried their hand when it comes to podcasting right now, because they're stuck at home. Maybe people want to, you know, relay their experiences and stuff that they're going through right now. Have, have the trend shown that a lot more people, amateurs, maybe that have never even thought about doing it are getting into doing podcasting more. Absolutely. Yeah. The pandemic was a huge thing for podcasts. I mean, it's like, if you, if you, if you go to Google trends and you, and you research the term podcast or how to start a podcast, you will see like, even right now, as we're doing this in December of 2020, it's, it's at the 100 out of hundred level on Google trends. I mean, podcasting right now is really, really hot, but it peaked. You can look at where it sort of skyrocketed in, in April and May of 2020. And a lot of people, and it, it's kind of become almost a, um, and I forget who wrote the book, but somebody has got a book right now called, um, everyone's got a podcast, but you. And I think it's kind of this sort of like tongue-in-cheek way of looking that everybody has started a podcast. So I think what's happening right now is you've got this wave of people that are kicking the tires, giving it a shot. But you see half of the people that start a podcast never get past the sixth episode. So so what ends up happening is they're like, oh my gosh, this is going to be the greatest thing ever. I did an interview with a woman last night in Australia. And, you know, when 2015, she started her podcast went all in, didn't last. Now she's come back to it much more consistent, much more level about it. But at the same time, it's just a lot of people are kicking the tires, but in this process, at least for me, what I'm discovering is I'm still helping people craft ways to start and answering all the technical questions. Um, But now I'm getting a lot of people who are like, Hey, I really like this, but I want to get better at it. 
I want to like create better content. I want to do better stories. So I'm noticing a shift in my people that I work with from, Hey, what's a podcast to I've been doing it. I'm 90 episodes in. How do I get better at telling stories? How do I get better at crafting, at crafting content? Right now on the Tuttle Daily Podcast is uh, one of my former program directors, Michael Sharkey. Now he is a podcast coach. Now, uh, Michael, if, if people wanted to get in touch with you, uh, mm-hmm. how can they do that? Like if they're interested, they're wanting to go all out. Maybe they got a business or a product that they're wanting to promote and they feel like, you know, going in the direction of, of going a podcast direction. How can they get a hold of you? So I offer a free workshop on my website. Um, All you got to do is go to yourpodcastcoach.com. Literally, there's like seven different buttons on there for my free seven-day podcast workshop. So if you just go to yourpodcastcoach.com, click on, I want to get started, click on seven-day podcast workshop. What that is, is it's literally designed to answer seven of the biggest questions that people have about starting a podcast. And it comes in an email every day for a week. Um, And then from there, there's plenty of opportunities to connect with me. Or if you just want to email me directly, the email that I use that I check on my phone all the time is just hello at (laughs) yourpodcastcoach.com. And I got to tell you, people, I mean, listen, I I don't have half the resume that uh, Michael has but I got to tell you, I, I've been in the business. I've worked with some of the biggest radio shows in Central Florida. And, and you know, uh, you being able to get this type of advice from a professional, and, and I do consider uh, Michael Sharkey a professional, I want, I want to get into a little bit. Now, where, where did you start in radio? Now, the first time I ever heard your name was from another, one of my favorite program directors of all time, uh, Catherine Brown. Catherine Brown used to talk so highly. Well, not when I say so highly, it's uh, she still does, I'm sure. But but what I'm trying to say is that's the first time your name ever came up. You guys worked at uh, She, right? Uh, yeah, we she were. 103? Yes, yeah, She 100.3. We did that. Um, that station what, was what around. What day part were you doing? What day part? I did afternoon drive. I was on yeah. the air uh, three to seven every day. What um, was Catherine? She did, what did she do? She did middays. I think she yeah. did. Yeah. She did middays for, for a while. Um, I think we had a kind of one of those weird, like she did like 10 to one or something like that. Mm-hmm. I forget, but you know, I mean, she was also the program director at the time, but um, you know, she and I, we did that radio station in Orlando mid, mid to late nineties. That was that station ended in March of 1999. Um, but prior to that, I mean, I've kind of was in Florida most of my career. Mm-hmm. Started in Gainesville, Florida. Um, really? You know, down really? I mean, that's a is that a great market? You know, that it's a it's one of those college towns. It's a college uh, market. That's, I mean, and, and and it's what, a great what place kind of, to start. What format were you guys playing back then? So I was doing top 40 when I started. Actually, really, I, you I, did top 40. I did. <laughs> I did. I've done every format. I did every format except country. That was the only format I never, I was, I did AC. I did obviously alternative was my staple format talk. Um, the only format I I didn't do ever was country. I always wanted to, because I heard the country listeners were fantastic, but, um, but yeah, I actually, I got started in 1989 at an all heavy metal AM radio station, which if you can imagine like Iron Maiden and Black Sabbath, over the am airways it was it was the but it like and there was it it was this little signal that was in the middle of the university of florida campus but Hmm. you know 16 years old and it was enough to get started and it was an amazing adventure so when did you when did you start at 97x because uh, maybe maybe me being an outsider i would think that i'd be like i mean i think what you did at 1025 the bone was great now i want to get into that because I want to talk about how it was transitioning from working in music radio and then having to be a program director of so many gr- big personalities. It, it had to be a, a, a big adjustment. But uh, when did you start at 97X? We signed on 97X November 3rd of 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I officially started there about four weeks later. Um, so, uh, you know, and that was one of those things where it was interesting because nobody gave 97 X a chance. 
It was no. very much a, you know, it was only 11,000 watt radio station. Do you remember the crow? Do you remember the crow oh, yeah. uh, in Daytona? Yeah. That, that was the first radio station I ever worked at. And, 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 and that's why I love 97 X so much. And I, I'm not trying to compare it, but you guys were playing. We were kind of going the same direction as the crow was. We were playing a lot of that alternative that you saw in the 90s but we were we were mixing in a lot of the new stuff and we're taking chances because you on 97x you guys played a lot of music that wasn't getting played on a lot of stations though well we were technically the first alternative rock radio station in tampa so Mm -hmm. you think about you know tampa florida is a top 20 radio market and obviously you've got a station like 98 rock that was you know had been there and was sort of the foundation rock station you know but they weren't going to play you know, they were playing a little bit of Lincoln Park when we signed on, but, you know, we came on and it was like, hey, you know, in 2001, you know, the Strokes came out, the White Stripes yeah. came out, mm-hmm. all these artists that were like really cool in the alternative space. So we started experimenting with these artists. We started playing Eminem and, you know, people in Tampa were like, what are you doing? What are you yeah. doing? But you know what? It was cool though, because it just, what I, what we believed was, you know, people people have a wider taste of music than just Nickelback in Kansas. Yep. So, so we were just like, look, let's just try it. If it, you know, it, we always knew that if we were getting complaints, then we were doing the right thing. And mm-hmm. that was very much something that we, we took a lot of chances. Not all of them worked, but you know, we were able to put next big thing on and we were able to kind of do that up against what was the 98 rock show livestock. Yeah. Um, you know, remember we, we had Earth Day birthday. We had Earth Day birthday at JRR over here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the next big thing I, that you guys used to do um, mm-hmm. uh, at, at the park, man, that was something that everybody looked forward to, and you could always catch those new music bands that you know were up and coming, and and that had to be a big deal dealing with those type of personalities when it came to music and stuff, but. Do you, you, your transfer from going from 97X to being the program director, actually, you were, be, you were the program director of both of them at the same time, weren't you? you of 97X and the Bone, yes. Yeah, I did that uh, my last four years at Cox from 2010 to 2014. I, was, I oversaw both of those radio stations as well as the format captain for all the rock and alternative stations inside Cox Media Group. Now, now, like you working in music all your life, like, uh, I mean, it's, it's got to be a testament of what management thought of you at the time. Uh, I mean, were you kind of like, what was your first reaction when they said, hey, uh, Michael, Michael, we need you to come over and be the program director of 1025 The Bone. Um, what was your first reaction? Well, interestingly enough, it kind of made sense because when we started 97X back in 2001, um, somebody who you know that you probably worked with at Crow, Chris Fisher. You know, oh, yes. We, mm-hmm. You know, we, we brought Fish on and we brought his sidekick, Napoleon, on yep. to do mornings. And pretty much, again, the, the, the feeling and the sentiment inside Cox at the time was that 97X is never going to succeed. And the other underlying sentiment was you're never going to grow a morning show on this radio station because management won't allow it. You had two yeah. big, you had two big shows on there, right? Right, and, right. And, and, and I think you bring in Drew Garabo and Drew was, was a great hire and, and come to find out he was, he ended up making a, even a bigger name at 1025 The Bone right now. Right. And the idea was really just about the development. Uh, I mean, it's the same, it's the work I'm doing today. It's the development of content over time. And I think that for 97X, you know, we took a morning show with Fisher and then it became Fisher and Boy many years later, Mm -hmm. is that over time, we just grew it and grew it and grew it. And I'm always a big believer of if you tell me it can't be done, I'm going to go do it anyway. So, Mm -hmm. you know, so when the time came in 2010 to take over 1025 The Bone, you know, at that time, it was all talking that long ago. Man, it does not say, man. Well. I took it over in 2010, but it was still playing classic rock in the mid Getting it started. Right. And then it was in April of 2012 that it was 24-7 talk. And, and, you know, management came to me and said, hey, look, will you oversee the bone, which I was fine with. But then when I went back to them, I said, look, you know, we we can do this all day long. We can have a big morning show, big afternoon show and play Kansas and crap in the middle of the day. 
But the fact of the matter is, is that this radio station is a talk radio station. Mm -hmm. It's just what we're doing is you're just playing music. Is it that demographic, though? Does the classic rock format share the the, kind of the same demographic that male 2554? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, and I think what's so fascinating is that what we've seen over the last like three to five years is that as podcasts have become so dominating, it just validates what the bone was doing. It was just validating the fact that it's talk is what people want. Now, exactly. And and I agree with you. So I want to get into the podcasting. There's a lot of things we could tell people what they need to do. But what are maybe like, could you give me an example of maybe the top three mistakes that people that are interested in getting into podcasts make? I think one of the bigger mistakes is not, you know, not having good enough quality. You know, like you and I are doing this over YouTube or we're doing this over Zoom right now. And this is fine. This is going to be good quality. Mm -hmm. And you're going to put it on YouTube and you're going to put it on your podcast and you understand mm-hmm. subtle that you've got to, you've got to have that, that right level of quality. Yeah. A lot, I, a lot I of do. people. Now I, I'm sorry, but like, I even like, I don't have a board right now. Everything that I do when it comes to editing is post-production. I've right. tweaked my compression settings. So, you know, I'm getting the right levels. I'm not all over the place and stuff. Um, but I, I do agree with you because I hear a lot of great podcasts that have great content but the quality is not there. Now you yeah. also get people that got great quality, but not great content. Right. So I think, you know, and again, you can fix the quality conversation in like, you know, five minutes. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's not a difficult thing. It's just a lot of people sort of just over, you know, especially because we live in an iPhone world and you can technically do a podcast with this microphone. It's mm-hmm. just in, in, in the case of doing something consistent you really want to just have slightly better quality. But the other mistakes I see is people rush in without really thinking about it. Again, that's why you got 45% of all podcasts on Apple podcasts haven't been updated in over a year, you know, because people sort of jump right in and they're like, yeah, I'm going to do a podcast and they get six episodes in and they don't do it anymore. So what I work with my clients on is, you know, slow down. Let's get, let's get, you know, let's take five minutes get you a good studio set up. You know, you don't have to spend a lot of money. You don't spend, you know, the studio I recommend is under $200 and it sounds as good as Joe Rogan's studio, you know, so you don't have to spend a lot of money on it, but then it's really about just making sure before you, before you just get out there and go crazy, you know, setting that plan to say, okay, look, I'm going to do a podcast every week. I mean, you do a podcast every day. Yeah. You know, I- and, it is, is consistency a big part of it? Because where I saw a big, big increase on my daily downloads was I just had this bright idea. You know, I'm a big sports fan. I, I like streaks. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to see how many days in a row that I can do a podcast. And, and I made it almost five months. I even did it on Saturdays and Sundays. Now, I, I made a thing. It had to at least be a 30 minute podcast to get, you know, for it to count as an official right. podcast. I try to do and I try, I shoot anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour. But I, I saw a big increase when I was pitting out stuff on a consistent basis. Um, is there That's such the a thing? It. Is there such a thing of oversaturating the market though? You know, that's a good question. I, I think, I think most people don't ever come close to oversaturating. Um, you know, I, I did, you know, over the summer, I did a, a new episode every day for 30 days just cause I wanted to do it very similar to mm-hmm. kind of what you talked about. I just wanted to do, I wanted to do a new episode every day for 30 days um, just to get what it feels like and kind of, kind of, you know, work through a lot of stuff with my podcast. Um, I don't need to do it every day. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, I, I release my podcast every other week. Going into 2021, I'm going to go back to doing it every week. But I don't think oversaturation becomes an issue, especially as you start to build an audience because your audience wants to hear from you. Mm-hmm. You know, your audience, if you do it right, and if you connect with your audience right, um, they want to hear what it is you have to say, regardless of who you are. I think, you know, Interestingly enough, you and I are going to come from the perspective of being inside radio, whereas inside radio, you know, I was the gatekeeper. I was the program director. I was the one who determined this person got on the radio and this person did not. But the truth of the matter is, is with podcasts, there's no gatekeeper. Now, there's good and bad to that. 
you know, the, the good news is, is everyone can have a podcast. The bad news is, is everyone can have a podcast. So there's no gatekeeper. So you can be just as big as the guy down the street. You know, anybody can kind of be a superstar. So really what it's about is really focusing in on the fundamentals of consistency, of telling that story, of being, being consistent, not just in how often you release, but being consistent in what it is you're trying to say. Is your podcast about being an entrepreneur? Is your podcast about running a marketing company? Is it about being a chef? You know, so a lot of the people that I work with have, you know, these are people that have no concept of stuff that you and I would have been raised around in radio Mm -hmm. stations. So I get to show them ideas and insights that help give them confidence. And then it just builds from there. So now this audio form of podcasting allows for normal people to build audiences that are you know, 10 times the size of some radio shows at this, at this stage. One of the things that I had to get used to coming from radio, you know, we live and die by the ratings. You know, we yes. were always looking about stuff. And there'd be some days I'm the first guy. One of the first things I look at when I wake up in the morning, I log on to my podcasting hosting site to look at the analytics. And there'll be some days where I'll do really, really well. And there'll be some days where I'm not doing as well. And then I had to think this through because those days that I did not have a good day when it comes to downloads, I had to get in my mind is that's the thing about podcasting. That's why people like podcasting is that they get to consume it when they want to consume it. And, And like those really, really big days, because I also forget, my whole archive is available online. So it could be a new person that stumbles upon my podcast and they're like, all right, I'm going to download every single episode that Tuttle's ever done. Yep. Um, is, is that something that people need to get in their head just because maybe you don't have a good day? Don't let it discourage you because the next day, because I look at averages, I look at the averages for the week. I don't look at days alone. Is, is that a good piece of advice? Yeah. Or even just look at the total number, look at the number, total number of downloads you've gotten in the last year or the last six months, because that tells a bigger story. Yeah. I mean, it's just like ratings, you know, it's like, like when PPM destroyed in many Mm -hmm. ways, destroyed radio, we were able to look at like, Oh, this quarter hour was not as good as this quarter hour. And it was too analytical. But that was only all right. So give me an idea. I don't want to go into detail because they're, you know, talking about the ratings are sacred. But like when you're when you're talking about podcasts, you're getting real time stats. Okay, you're getting real time stats. Now, when you're looking at radio ratings, like. How many people would one person represent in a market like Tampa? The one person Uh, that had a PPM uh, meeting just off the top of your head, if you had to guess. I used to know this number, actually. Um, wow. Oh is it like, I, I heard it was like 60 or 70,000. It's not that many, but it's pretty not high. It it's is pretty, pretty high. high. Well, yeah. we're just saying is that the ratings, when you're looking at radio, they might not be the most accurate, but when you're looking at podcasting stuff, mm-hmm. I, I really do feel like you're getting a real taste of who's listening and who's not listening. Yeah. And I will also say that the metrics of podcasts, you know, are still, they're still finding their way. I mean, we, we, we still live and die by downloads and that just simply means it's on somebody's phone. It doesn't are streams necessarily important. Are, are streams just as important? Yeah, they can be. It just depends on what you're trying to do with your metrics. I mean, look, I think over the next 12 to 24 months, they're going to get a lot better with analytics for podcasts, especially when you're trying to figure out, you know, models of revenue and things like that. But For somebody that's just getting started, you know, back to your question from a moment ago is that not to overanalyze that data. You know, I mean, you might have, look, I mean, if you're a business owner, let's say you're a business owner and two or three clients change the scope of your business. Well, you can get that with a podcast. You don't need a hundred thousand downloads. You don't even need 500 downloads to get that. So I always remind people that it doesn't matter you don't need Joe Rogan size audience. What you need is the audience that fits what you're doing. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't get caught up in my own analytics. You know, I'm still going to put my podcast out consistently and I'm still going to do what I choose to do with it consistently. But if I get 
you know, a thousand downloads this week. If I get 10,000 next week, great. If I get zero the following week, which um, that's not going to happen, but at the same time, it's more about understanding the audience of people that you're talking to and how you might best impact those people with your content, whatever your goals are. Again, if it's a daily podcast, if it's a podcast about podcasts, it's just understanding what your goals are. And when you do that, be consistent with your content. And I don't want to say forget about the analytics, you know, mm. definitely want to see the growth, but don't get, don't get hung up into it. Cause it's so easy, as you said, to wake up every day, check your downloads and see how you're doing. All right. So we're, we're talking about that now. Um, could you, could, is, all right. I know a lot of podcasts are, are niche type podcasts. Uh, and, and it all depends on what you're going through, going to do. Like, you know, if you got a business and you want to talk about your business or promote your business and stuff, um, going with a niche type podcast, could you be putting yourself in a box? Could you be the, like limiting yourself when it comes to growth of your content that you're putting out? My answer to that question is no. My answer to that question is that I believe that the riches are in the niches. I believe that if you are, if you start on day one and you say, okay, well, I'm going to do, I'm going to do a podcast about travel. Well, travel is huge. You know, a client, one of the biggest clients I ever worked with was so mistaken because they said, we're doing a podcast about food and travel. And I had to sit them down and say, well, that's about 4 billion people on planet earth. And what you really need to do is discuss specific food or specific travel and, and really sort of niche it down. So mm -hmm. to your question, I think, I think it's better to actually get into a place where your niche is really, really small. You know, I mean, it's funny. My podcast helps entrepreneurs confidently create unique podcasts, but I still think sometimes that's too broad. Like, should I get it down to women entrepreneurs or should I get it down to entrepreneurs who have a you know, this type of business, you know, so really it's like, because once you nail that niche, once you like, when you really, 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 really nail what you're talking about from that point, you can expand. Here's it, a question for you. Do you, do you know what okay. Gary V do you know? Do yes. You know, you know I, Gary? I, I love Gary V. And, okay. And he do you know how he started? I, he, all right, wasn't he like a thrifter going out and, and doing yard sailing or, or, or doing shoes or something? I know he's doing the wine stuff right now, but right. Um, I don't know exactly. It actually, it, it's, it started with a very specific thing about wine. And, uh, and I think it was his YouTube channel or whatever. Well, now Gary Vee gets on and talks about marketing or entrepreneurship or, or people, I mean, people come out so of the you woodworks can grow. Right. You're, People you're come not out of the woodworks. Yeah. They, they assume that Gary V is this sudden expert on how to run a business, but he's not. But what Gary V did right is he nailed his niche. And when he nailed his niche from that point, when he was so consumed and popular in that space, he was able to grow. So that's why I say, oh, really, it's better to start with that niche, get really good at it, mm -hmm. and then expand from there. I, I'm I'm glad that you brought up Gary Vee, and because the, my next question is is um, with social media, how do you best how what is the best way? Because it, it, with social media, people go to social media to get entertained, to get content. How do you promote your podcast without making it seem like your Twitter, your social media is becoming an infomercial page? It, like, are you posting clips? Are you doing promos like we used to do, posting those, giving those people pieces of stuff like that? I mean, what what is the best way that you have found of being able to promote your podcasting content on your social media platforms without it being an infomercial? Yeah, it's funny. That's the lesson I learned back in 2015 is every time I put out a new episode, I was on Twitter with it. I was on Facebook with it. And what I saw is I saw the listening start to diminish because I just, as you said, it turned into an infomercial. Um, what I like is when people put little, just it's rules of radio, little snippets of your podcast, use it on Instagram. You know, there's all sorts of different tools that you can use right now, like the headliner app that'll put a little bit of video there or a little bit of uh, an image with a little bit of audio. 
but I always tell people don't overthink it. Um, just understand that for most people, most of us do not have a team of social media people working for us. For mm-hmm. most of us, we're doing it all ourselves. Gary so V the- helped me out. He came out with this stat showing you how to simplify social media. I'll, I'll have to share it with you. I'm sure you've Please already do. seen it. But um, it was just talking like, for example, this this is just a, you know, if you're on Instagram and you're on Twitter, you know, if you want to kill two birds with one stone, send out a tweet, take a screenshot of that tweet, crop it, post it on your Instagram. You're, you're getting two posts. You know, he shows you because he admits he's like, yeah, I got a lot of people helping me with content and stuff. But for the beginner, this is how you can you can streamline your social media. Yeah, a lot of what I teach people kind of stepping away from social media is how to use YouTube and your podcast using transcription for your website. Um, mm-hmm. Just really because a lot of people that I work with, they they sort of look at sort of their social space and then the creation of content space on YouTube and podcasts and their website is, and blogs is different. So a lot of the work that I end up doing is helping people, again, very basic principle of you sort of take your podcast audio do what we're doing now, you know, record a zoom. You can upload that to YouTube. You can transcribe your podcast, which then becomes a 4,000 word blog, which helps people find your website. And and again, very similar to what Gary V said is you're just basically taking the same thing and you're repurposing it across other channels. Or the the format specific. Right. The other thing that you can do is on your tweet, just link to your Instagram post. I mean, it it shows up like a link, but it's still when somebody clicks on it, now they've now they've been introduced to your Instagram. On the line with me right now is my former program director, Michael Sharkey. He has plenty of experience in terrestrial radio, but uh, the guy is what I've seen so far. It seems like he's helping out a lot of people right now. Uh, what is how important is the description when you're posting a podcast uh, do for helping? people discover your podcast. So are, are descriptions, detailed descriptions, tags, are those important? What I find that the, the biggest things that are important is in specifically your podcast, um, your thumbnail artwork that you have for your podcast, not per episode, but for your podcast is important. It's got to look good. Just got to look professional. So mm-hmm. I, like I said, I work with a lot of business people. So I tell them, you know, just, you don't have to spend a lot of money. But that little thumbnail image just needs to look professional. Thumbnails on YouTube. Like, just like, you know, people, I didn't realize this, but I was doing a lot of research and and thumbnails, catchy thumbnails uh, that catches people's eye and and they'll they'll check it out. I know it sounds stupid. No, it's not actually over. It's like, it's it's an interesting statistic. But when it comes to discoverability of podcasts, is that your name, your artwork and your description um, some, it was a Canadian, um, media company did a research on it. It was like over 50% of people discover podcasts, just thumbing through, Hey, I like mm-hmm. this. I like this thumbnail more than this thumbnail. So I'm going to go check out this podcast. So again, you don't have to make it, you know, you don't have to spend thousands of dollars on some fancy graphic art, but that little thumbnail makes a huge difference and just a sense of professionalism. And then your description that you write for your podcast is also very important. But the big secret that I always tell people Mm. is make sure that somewhere in your description and then with every episode that you put out, you put your name. Because oftentimes people, if you say, hey, look, search for, a great example is my podcast. My podcast is called Your Podcast Coach. Mm. So two of the words of my three words are podcast and coach. Mm. Well, that's going to open up all sorts of, it's going to open up all sorts of podcasts in the podcast store. It's going to open up all sorts of coaches. Um, so what I always do is say, Hey, search Michael Sharkey and you search Michael uh-huh. Sharkey and I'm number one. So uh-huh. if you put your name in there, if you put your name in the description, if you put your name in the title, uh-huh. people will search by your name and then you're always guaranteed to come up first. 
Yeah, a lot of people ask me, like, why people, you know, because I always think it's ridiculous when people talk about themselves self in the third person. But, like, whenever I put a post up on social media, like, total interviews, such and such, and people, you know, how trolls can be on radio, like, why are you talking about yourself in the third person? And I'm like, well, that, you know, when people search Tuttle, that stuff is going to come up. It's smart. And one piece of advice is don't worry about trolls. They're not. <laughs> They're not going anywhere. Yeah. They're, they're going to, they're here to stay, but that's what they do. So, yeah, I mean, but I think to your point is that's a very effective way to do it because you're putting your name in there. You're branding. It's just branding. I mean, think about yep. radio. What do we do in radio? We say the names of radio stations over and over and over and over again. Well, I mean, we look do that at for real branding. radio. Well, real radio. I always remember that, that jingle, that real Radio 104, you know, everybody, it's smart because everybody remembers that jingle. It's all about yeah. branding. Yep. So it's the same thing. So I don't, I don't have a problem with that at all. Man, Chark, I, I could stay here and talk to you for a while. And I, I want to have you on again. I, I hope you sure. enjoyed this interview. Uh, I, I was actually really nervous about doing this because like, I really, really do have a lot of respect for you. And, you. and out of all the program directors that I've ever been fired for, you were <laughs> by far the nicest. <laughs> I deserved yeah. it that day. I deserved it that day. But you were really, really cool about it. And, and you're one of the program director, directors that I could actually tell cared like you, you didn't, you didn't enjoy having to do the dirty work because you knew all the people that were working under you were passionate about what we were all doing. We all had one goal and, and there was, you had a boss you had to answer to, but you were not cold or, or you didn't like come with no feelings. Like I could tell like, Oh man, this, this really sucks. But I, I really did learn a lot from you. I, I think the greatest piece of advice you gave me you know, because I, I know I was good at what I did, but you were like, listen, check out, just, just give it a listen. Listen to Seth Kush. Listen to Seth. He is very concise. He's calculated. And when he does talk, he has something to offer. And, and there was a lot of times in radio where I just would spout off a, about something and I'd be like, uh, did that really like push the conversation forward? And and that was like one of the best pieces of advice that that any program director has ever given me. So thank you. You're very welcome. I actually, it's funny when we talked at the very beginning about, you know, certain things that translate. Um, a lot of the shows that I work with now that have two people and some couple of them have three, there's a lot of those same types of lessons hold true. You know, mm -hmm. when you get three people in a room, Oftentimes that third person, you know, if they come really strong with one or two sentences here and there, <clears throat> they can make a huge difference. But mm -hmm. oftentimes, you know, when people don't know what they don't know, it's just like, oh, well, this person's going to talk for a while and this person's going to talk for a while. And it just becomes hard to listen to. So I appreciate you pointing that out. And like I said, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's a joy to still continue to do what I get to do. But now uh, you know, I loved my career in radio. It was amazing. It was awesome. I feel like I was able to kind of exit the way I wanted to exit. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I still have a lot of friends in radio. I know 2020 has been a really tough year for so many people. Yeah. There's been so many firings. Um, but I, you know, I, I like this sort of, you know, I don't want to call it a new chapter. It's just, it made logical sense. It's just that podcasts are so exciting right now. And it's so much fun to be a part of something not just like you and I are doing now creating something, but being able to kind of take that program director role for mm -hmm. writers, authors, software engineers, glass artists, and all these people that I get to work with every day. So thanks for having Shark. me on man. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Tell people once again, if they want to find out uh, and get some help from you, where can they check out your stuff? Sure. My website is yourpodcastcoach.com. Again, if you just go to yourpodcastcoach.com, upper right-hand corner, you'll see free seven-day workshop click into that. You'll get an email every day. Just again, it helps you answer some of the big questions about podcast. But if you want to email at any point, my email is pretty simple. It's just hello at yourpodcastcoach.com. And that email comes right to my phone and I check it all the time. All right, Sharky. I hope you have a great holiday. I hope you and your wife are fine. And if there's anything you ever need, please reach out. You bet. Thanks, Tuttle.
for today. Thanks for listening to the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Hey, don't be a dickhead. Do us a favor. Like, share, and subscribe to the show. Also, check out the Tuttle category at 315live.com. The Tuttle Daily Podcast is brought to you by the Vapor Shades Hobo Fish Camp. You want some cool-ass sunglasses? Check out VaporShades.com. Also brought to you by StitchYouUp.com, PocketPairClub.com. Special thanks to show intern Hannah and Charlie Alamo for their contributions. Additional imaging and production is provided by CCA Productions. Facebook.com slash CCA Productions presents. Show voiceover service is brought to you by JCVoiceOver.com. That guy's got a damn sexy voice. You should hire him. Check out jcvoiceover.com. If you want to help support the show, go to paypal.me slash Tuttle on the radio. Comments? Concerns? Or do you just want to let Tuttle know he's being a dickhead? Tuttle at gmail.com. That's Tuttle with two Ds at gmail.com. To follow all of Tuttle's social media, go to Tuttle.net. Thanks again for all your support, and we'll see you tomorrow on the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Hey, yo, Terry, fuck going on?